Welcome to the Walder Sportscast with your host, Chris Walder. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to episode 52, the Brad Miller, former NBA All-Star Brad Miller of the 247th Best Basketball Interview Podcast on the internet today. It's the Walder Sportscast. I'm Chris Walder, and I'm on the Twitter sphere and Instagram at Walder Sports. And if you so may, drop a rating and review when you're done here, because it really does help me and the podcast out a ton. But before we get underway here, just a friendly reminder that today's episode is brought to you by our friends at DraftKings. And for any NHL hockey fans out there, DraftKings has an incredible offer where new customers can bet just a single dollar on any game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. It doesn't matter how it goes in because you win at the end of the day. Anyone can play for huge cash prizes, and it doesn't even have to necessarily be hockey. Bet on the NBA, NFL, UFC, you name it. So download the DraftKings app now, use promo code TBPN, throw down $1 on any NHL game, and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. This week, one puck in the net nets you a big win with promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official betting partner of the National Hockey League. Must be 21 years of age or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager, one per customer, restrictions apply, see DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. So joining me on today's show is a first-time guest, a rising star in the world of basketball media here in the city of Toronto, or the country of Canada for that matter. Because it's Savannah Hamilton, who you may know from her duties as a sideline reporter for the Raptors 905. She does work with the Raptors and Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment as well. She has many YouTube shows, an amazing talent, and former basketball player with the Ryerson Rams as well. So there's a lot for us to discuss today, including how she got her start in the industry. We've got some Raptors ball to talk about. I wanted to touch on the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict as well. It came out in the afternoon prior to us recording. It's obviously an important topic of discussion. I didn't want to gloss over it, pretending something like that didn't happen. So we'll definitely be talking about that at the start of the interview. But as a cheap plug for last week's guest, another fan favorite, of course, perhaps the biggest favorite of them all. I had an unbelievable chat with legendary Raptors broadcaster Jack Armstrong, who's now a two-time guest of the show, which I'm very grateful for. Such a genuine, classy human being who was extremely forthcoming with his time, and if, if you haven't checked it out, and I'm insanely biased, of course, I am the host of the podcast, I encourage you to give it a listen because Jack is one of the greats. With all of that being said, though... Savannah Hamilton makes her Walder Sportscast debut after this short break. Perfect. So keep it locked. now is savannah hamilton the lady of a thousand and four jobs including the host of raptors today swish inside the wnba and being a sideline reporter for the raptors 905 savannah welcome to the walder sportscast chris it is an absolute pleasure to be on your like podcast here or sportscast because you know i feel like i made it now 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 i made it 
is this the peak of your career? I feel like you've already done so many magical things in your life. I feel like this just like pales in comparison to like hundreds of things that you've already done. I appreciate you. Thank you for saying all that. But honestly, this this is this tops it all. Like getting on the Walder podcast. Are you kidding me? When you slid my DMs to to invite me on, I was like, whoa, mom, I made it. Sliding. <laughs> I, I I don't want to use the term sliding into the DMs. Uh, my fiance. I mean, yeah. that is that a term like that the guys do when they're okay. trying to yeah something along those lines. It, 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 professional sense like of course it, 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 media <laughs> world doesn't count as like sliding media dms does not count as like the other type of sliding dms because we that's how we all dm each other all the time it was more of a cordial invite you know it was exactly. kind of like an extending extending the honor of you know i say honor normal loosely. communication exactly <laughs> just a friendly hello okay you want to come on the hey. Walter sportscast absolutely I, but no exactly. i guess savannah i i really appreciate your time i mean we're, we're definitely going to get into some uh, toronto raptors basketball there's a lot i want to know about your career as well but I feel like we should talk about this kind of out of the gate. And it's it's a big news story today. We're talking on Friday, November 19th. And in the news today, the big story was, you know, the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict. Uh, not guilty of all charges in that 2020 Kenosha shooting at the protest of Jacob Blake's murder by a white Kenosha police officer. So, Savannah, this verdict is still fresh in a lot of people's minds. Where is your mind right now hearing that verdict and your immediate thoughts about how a verdict like that can come about at all. It's sad to say, but I'm not surprised. And it's uh, sadder to say that when the verdict for George Floyd's justice came down, I slightly was surprised that George Floyd did get his justice and, and justice in, you know, the sense of policing and a sense of, you know, traditional jurisdiction stuff. But when this happened, I, I was like, okay, you know, this is not the first time that somebody got away with, you know, I guess you could say murder, but at the same time, it's like, so it's, so, so it's sad how much I was un, unaffected emotionally as much as I was surprised at the fact that George Floyd did get his justice. So for me, this was a, another example of how normalized it has gotten um, to see violence that is in regards to the black community just be just just always like having a pass essentially like like you know and the, and, like, the excuse was like oh what kyle was young like how is it 18 mm -hmm. like you're you're young sure 18 but you're that's like a legal adult that is like you know what you're doing at 18 and there's no reason to have uh you know a gun like a semi-automatic at a protest you know that's especially protesting for a guy who got shot already are you kidding me talk about hypocritical right there so I don't know, a mixed bag of emotions. I chose not to tweet about it today, uh, you know, despite the fact that some may have, and I respect that, but it's sometimes with these issues and topics, like I take a while to process and like really think out how I feel before I speak too much on it. But um, those are my initial thoughts. Do you think the public in a way is almost becoming desensitized to news like this? Because essentially a lot of people, when they were following the trial and seeing everything that was transpiring, there was a large majority who believed that Kyle was basically going to get off the hook. And then when the verdict came through and he was ruled not guilty, obviously the uproar was massive because, I mean, in a lot of people's minds, he deserved it. But it, it just kind of goes to show the way the judicial system in the United States is, how broken that country is. Did you kind of get that same vibe from people being like, you know what, it's a, it's a here we go again moment? Absolutely. I think you just worded it the best you could have worded it in that question. <laughs> um, it was definitely a... All right, yeah, another one 
gets off like gets gets off scot-free and like i said it, it just wasn't surprising to me and i think also because the chatter around social was yeah he's expected to to maybe let this one slide as if it's like a little petty crime instead of the instead of taking other people's lives and the worst like i mean what's really bad about this is the fact that like and and maybe even a little surprising to me to be honest is the fact that he took not he took lives of of white protesters right and who are allies of the of the black community protesting on behalf of um jacob blake right mm -hmm. so yeah you would almost think that there would be some favoritism towards that in the sense of well you know because it was just naturally how the system has been towards black people in particular you know it's been very biased and and so when they're putting this against you know like white allies in the black community it also shows you that like to the supporters and allies out there that you know you're no better like you, you like it doesn't your life also doesn't matter if you support black lives matter so it, it just feels like just yeah just normal just normalizing the lack of support i guess the lack of uh what's the value of black mm -hmm. lives i guess this verdict is going to stir more debate about gun laws and what entitles self-defense and there's going to be more incidents like this i mean let's be honest there's going to be more kyles out there who, who get away with murder, and this is always going to be a topic of discussion and debate that will hopefully one day spur actual change, and, and hopefully that day comes soon, because incidents like this, I mean, with the Black Lives Matter movement, people, innocent people dying, um, it, it is the state of the world that we live in at the moment, and I appreciate your honesty there, Savannah. I know it's kind of a, a hard turn. I did kind of want to bring that up as a topic of, discuss of discussion out of the gate to kind of give it the time that uh, that moment deserves. But and again, a hard turn. But I, when I first asked you to come on the podcast, Savannah, you were telling me, and we're recording this on a Friday night, you said that this upcoming weekend is your first off in three weeks, which isn't surprising since you have so many bloody rules out there in the sports media world. And obviously, it's a lot of fun being in the sports media industry, but it's also a lot of work and hours put in. So, Savannah, I ask you, how do you kind of keep yourself from letting work become too much like work and still maintain that love and enthusiasm for what you do without being too overwhelmed because i personally had a problem like that when i worked at the score years ago but you're way deeper into the industry than i've ever been so i'm kind of curious if you've ever encountered a similar mental hurdle uh, i well good question and it's so funny because i first and foremost think i'm so fortunate and so blessed and i was talking to my dad about this i was like you know as busy as my life can be and as much work and how tired i am like man i am so so lucky to say that I'm tired because I'm doing something that I love. And so like, in the same time as yeah, like some days are long, I have to work on weekends, I have to work on evenings sometimes, but like, I don't take that for granted whatsoever. Because I also know, like, like, I did a lot to get here. And I also know how fickle this industry is. And you know, I see my peers and colleagues at other places, Sportsnet, TSN, or wherever it may be, get let go sometimes, and they put their blood, sweat, and tears into their work too. So, you know, when I'm getting this wave of opportunities, I also understand that it's something that I would like, I can't not take for granted. And with that in mind, like, I just tell myself to like, you know, continue putting my best foot forward into everything I do. And I think luckily, like, I think when you do put your best work out there, it tends to uh, create more opportunities. Well, we're seeing more and more of you, uh, more and more of your work in the sports media landscape, which is definitely a good thing, uh, especially in the Toronto Raptors space. 
I feel like more and more women and women of color are kind of having more prominent roles in the field, which is long overdue. I mean, you, of course, Savannah, there's the the ladies over at Dishes and Dimes, Kayla Gray, of course, a prominent figure on TSN, uh, Megan McPeak as well, used to be here in Toronto. Do you think the industry in general, and I'm, I'm talking more so prominently here in the city because that's where we're based, of course, do you think it's making positive strides in terms of diversifying and and showcasing talented women and people of color or do you personally think we still kind of have a ways to go on that front oh there's definitely a ways to go there's 100 percent a ways to go um and i i love the fact that we're seeing slowly more and more women of color take up space in the industry um i hate the fact that sometimes we're compared to each other and it's like oh you're trying to be the next this or they're trying to be like well what if i'm just trying to be the next something else or like what if i'm just trying to create my own space or do my own thing type of thing so uh it's it's on the on the 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 end of it so the tail end of it which would be the kayla grays meg mcpeaks and 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 so forth I'm, I'm so happy to see them, you know, trailblaze this way. For the longest time, it was just Kayla Gray kind of like taking up space in this industry. And then Meg McPeak, you know, I, I remember her back when she was with the Orangeville A's. Like her and I have been <laughs> friends for a long time. And so, I, you know, she was on my my podcast, my little like, you know, Ryerson like radio station, Spirit Live. She came into the studio and she recorded uh, radio with me before too. So, you know, it's, it, we're all really close to each other and we all like cheer each other on. We, you know, we DM each other you know Kayla Gray even messaged me after a Raptors 905 game saying that she loves to see that you know I'm doing well as well and so um, I love that for us but um, it doesn't start by just creating opportunities for black women uh, in the professional world as it is right now it starts at the grassroots because Mm -hmm. a lot of times like these like women like myself women in certain communities like they don't even know that they have the opportunity to be in these spaces because one, they don't see it that often on TV and not, and that doesn't even just go for black women or black men. That goes for also like white people and, and, and people of all uh, colors, because like if they, cause if, if everybody does not see something on TV, how are they expected to think that's an option or that's a valuable, uh, a, a viable person to be on TV? So like, you know, I had a primarily, like I grew up in, a, in, a, in Mississauga, Ontario, and like uh, I had grew up in a white neighborhood, so right. I was already like kind of stuck. I was like one of five people, black people at the time, and I'm like I'm biracial myself. Um, and then I went to a black high school, and like that kind of completely switched my perspective on life. And then coming into university, it kind of went back to a primarily white dominated program and just university space in general. And, you know, like a lot of my own classmates, they never pictured me on TV because they never saw a woman that looks like me on TV. But the reason why I believe that I could be on TV is because I saw like ESPN's broadcast and when I was following the NBA at like a pretty young age. And I was like, (laughs) wow, like that woman looks like me. I didn't even know that that was even an option. So this is like before Kayla Gray was on TV and everything too. So that's in one sense that like we we all need to be culturally aware that you know, people who don't look like what's currently presented on television, they too could take up space. They too have could have the opportunities, but, you know, they also need to be shown it. And they also need to be provided because also, you know, we as we both know, TV industry is not easy whatsoever. And it's one of those industries that are very um, like fickle and, and ever changing. And so it's like, you know, when you're coming from a place of uh, a, a home, maybe that doesn't have the amount of security that a middle-class family might have or the resources that a white community might have versus uh, a more predominantly black community might 
not have, you know, you don't think that you're going to go for your safest bet. You're going to go for your safest quote unquote career. Maybe you're going to be a teacher. Maybe you're going to be, um, I don't know, try to be something that is quote unquote safe, but, but maybe your dreams are to be on TV. Maybe your dreams are to be on broadcast and stuff like that, but you just don't think that's tangible and it's not realistic and you don't want to waste your money or because maybe there is no safety net for you if in case you quote unquote fail. And so I think I'm personally, am in such a privileged position that my parents are both financially stable and they've helped me tremendously throughout my own career because I never had the fear of, wow, if I really fail at this, there's nothing to fall back on. Like I always know that my parents will somehow some way support me and like help me with my next steps if this ever went south so with that in mind there's no fear of failure i listened to a lot of podcast uh, appearances that you that you've recently made just kind of in preparation of interviewing you savannah and one Thank takeaway you. i had from from recent interviews well i'm, I'm kind of like the nardwar i like i like to deep dive into a person's life simply you know to bring up <laughs> topics of discussion that maybe you wouldn't see coming but in the interviews that I've heard of you, uh, you mentioned that doing the sports media course at Ryerson and kind of working your way up from there, you did have the occasional moment where someone would be in your ear and say that maybe this isn't the industry for you or, or maybe you wouldn't make it at the end of the day. What do you take away from criticism like that where people would be that negative towards you, kind of shooing you in a different direction? And can, did you kind of take it as kind of like a, a kick in the butt or maybe inspiring words to say, you know what, I'm going to show that person that I can do it? Yeah, actually, that is funny because that was told to me by somebody who was in the industry at the time. Um, and that was definitely a slap in the face, I would say. And it really actually bugged me cause I was only, I was about two months away from graduating. Right. Um, and I just spent basically four years, my heart and soul into this program. Uh, and I was also like, aside from my program, I was also already trying to find my opportunities within the industry. Like I actually started working at MLSE in my second year university like just interning, which eventually turned into associate producing, which eventually turned into associate directing and like whatnot. And so the time I was like just about to graduate, I already had a few roles under my belt. And here's this person telling me that I'm not good enough to be in this industry for exactly what I want to do, which was on air. And at the time I was actually pitching something completely different. I was pitching something from a more producer standpoint. And so it was just a very left field comment and it really got to me. And the thing that struck me the most was that he was like the person that wasn't saying that to my, um, my my could you know white male counterparts in my program is just specifically at me and i couldn't help but feel like is it because i'm a woman mm-hmm. is it because i'm a woman of color and so like now I, I don't have a problem kind of telling that story as often but that definitely shook me to reality a little bit and i i cried i i left that place crying and i called the first person i called was dwayne watson who has been my ally from day one like literally believed in me from day one. And he reassured me, he was just telling me, listen, like, don't believe him. Like you have absolutely a place in this industry. You gotta work for it. But like, I'm so sorry that happened to you. But like, listen, like, keep going. And like, that was just the words I needed to like the reassurance I needed to hear. And some other stuff happened like kind of like down the road from that original, like those originally mean comments. But essentially like every, I kind of feel like I, I, resolved it in my own sense of, yeah, you know what? Like, like I said, like the whole, I'm so fortunate to be in a place where if I do fail, I have amazing parents that are going to support me. So I was like, it almost drove me to, to push a little bit harder, to give it another go, like to try to dig a little deeper 
And then I found my, it's funny, so funny because in this industry, there's no straight lines, right? Like no. I ended up working at CBC News as an associate director behind the scenes for like, for like just a regular news, not sports, not sports news for like two and a half years. And that paid my bills for the most part. And then, you know, a little social media at Tangerine, um, particularly at the Raptors. And then eventually my call back at MLSC and, and the meeting the right producer at MLSC came, came around again and everything kind of took off from there. I feel like your LinkedIn page must be massive. Just like a laundry list of like accomplishments <laughs> and jobs that you've had. Oh man, I haven't, first of all, I need to update it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> right? And second of all, somebody actually pointed out my LinkedIn profile before and they're like, yeah, I see you, you have a lot of positions in the industry. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> it adds Kinda. up over time, exactly. You know, we got to keep those LinkedIn pages updated for all the people that we have <laughs> never interacted with in the past, but they constantly like to, to message us whenever we have a new role with that vague congrats on your new role message in your inbox. Right? It's overwhelming at a point. For Yeah, it does. Yeah, I know. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Thanks. <laughs> You name dropped uh, uh, Dwayne Watson earlier, and actually he's someone I want to ask you about as well. A, a couple of guys, actually, both Dwayne and Akil Augustine. Uh, now, I've admittedly had limited interactions with both. Uh, I've met Dwayne a few times, I believe. But Savannah, talk to me about those two and the impact they've had on your media journey. Oh, man. So we have a, a bit of a joke between the three of us where um, so <laughs> we say that Akil found me and dropped me off at the doorstep where Dwayne adopted me. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially is what kind of shook about. Like I met Akil at a networking event and this is kind of, this is all kind of funny how everything happens, right? Like, so I was fully playing basketball at Ryerson. I got injured in my first year. It was like completely devastating to me because I had huge aspirations and dreams. Like the way that I go hard with this media stuff is the way that I was going hard in my basketball career before. Heck yeah. <laughs> so this work ethic didn't come from nowhere. <laughs> um, yeah, so I was like just really like motivated to to succeed to the highest of levels in my basketball career. And so when I had a pretty bad knee injury, I was like, oh, okay, depression, here we come. But um, somebody kind of voluntold me to get out of my room and go to this networking event where I could just like kind of meet and greet people at the door. And like, this was like pretty like significant people, like a few NBA GMs and like, mm -hmm. like the whole broadcasting scene in, in like Canada was going to be there. And so me, I was like, okay, fine. Like, <laughs> I guess like I'm pretty like bummed out over this injury, but like, I'm literally still in crutches and like a big knee brace and like, but I'll, I'll go. And then, so I go, I'm like this door greeter in the green room. Um, I'm like greeting all these people. Um, and yeah, it was, it was, it was a lot of great people. I, you know, I, I, Michael Grange was there. Leo Routens was there. Right. Um, uh, what's his name? Sa Saunders. Saunders oh, was there. Yeah. So John Saunders. John Saunders. I right. had a sit down conversation with him at that event that stuck out to me. And then, uh, yeah. And then sure enough, Akil Augustine was there and you know, I got introduced to Akil and I also like introduced myself to Akil and I, I, you know, I asked him if it was okay if I grabbed his number for a potential like, you know, a future job shadowing opportunity. And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's really easy. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah okay, cool. And then he <laughs> gave him his number. That's probably the worst decision he ever made. Um, and then 
Um, six months later, sure enough, in my second year university, a uh, job shadow like assignment came up and like they're like, job shadow, somebody you want to be in the industry. And I was like, well, I want to be Akil. Like Akil's pretty awesome. And then um, and then I texted Akil and he's like, yeah, no problem. Come in to shadow me on the hangout like at this day, this time. And I was so pumped. I was so pumped. And then job shadowed him went really well. I told him, I was like, listen, I will do anything. Like you let me know, like like note taking or or like, you know, sweeping the floors. Like, let me know. Like I, I will just I just want to be around. I just want to be on set. I want to be behind the scenes, anything. And then sure enough, he's like, okay, come to our production meeting um, next week, Tuesday or whatever. And I was like, okay, I was there. And then that's when I met Dwayne Watson. And like, I would like to say the rest is history, but <laughs> like, man, Dwayne scared the living crap out of me when I first met him. Like, the first, I always joke with Dwayne too. And he knows I say this, but like the first thing he said to me when I met him was he's like, I'm Dwayne Watson. I'm kind of a big deal. And I was okay. like, oh my God. And like anybody who knows Dwayne is like, Dwayne is like a big presence in a room. Like he takes up space, like very much, very confident, you know, like just, just like six foot, probably about like six, three ish. Like he's big. And like, so I was like crapping my pants. Yo, I was like, oh my God, (laughs) like help. But at the same time, like, okay, (laughs) don't mess this up. Yo, don't mess this up. And like, there's so many times I like, I left the 307 is where NBA TV Canada was originally located. So many times I left 307 on Lakeshore and I was like, oh, wow, I definitely messed up. I don't think they're going to call me back, yo. Like, that's, this is, it's been fun. And somehow I, somehow they kept on calling me back and I was like, okay. And eventually, like, eventually I just, I don't know, they kept me around. <laughs> and I just slowly moved up the ladder. Like, they, and then, like, another guy named Jamie Arnold, he asked me if I could do math or if I was good at math. And mm-hmm. I looked at Dwayne, who was happened to be standing there, and Dwayne was like, "Say yes." And I looked at him like, "Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> and so I completely lied because I was actually really bad at math, but it was like the basic math, so I guess I could have passed. But and then that's kind of that's what got me into associate directing, and that kind of started me with like Leafs pre and post game, and Raptors pre and post game, and then um, 905 uh, broadcast, just associating the entire everything kind of thing, a little bit of everything. And that really got me the taste of what it's like to broadcast stuff like behind the scenes. So that's kind of how I got my start. And that's where Dwayne and Akil fit. <laughs> and now Dwayne's my boss. <laughs> that, exactly. It's weird how the world kind of plays itself out like that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, knowing your roots in, in sports media, Savannah, kind of, you know, going to school at Ryerson, taking the program there and, and shadowing Akil, like you said, but then kind of seeing what's essentially new paths forming to get into the industry. You know, a lot of people out there you see on social media, they're starting from scratch. They're building brands through Twitter and Instagram. You're seeing more podcasting and blogging, YouTubing, things along those lines. Do you kind of see that as the the, the future of, of carving out a path to get into sports media? Or do you think nothing beats the old school approach of learning in a classroom and getting proper schooling? Yeah, I always say that you don't need necessarily you don't need school there's i think networking and connections if i was to put this on a weight scale mm-hmm. uh, i'm a libra my sign's a weight scale <laughs> oh trickle that one in um, <laughs> if i was to put this on a weight scale i would say networking connections over formal education per se for this industry because you don't necessarily need it it's nice to have but it's one of those we fall at the end of the day, we almost fall in the arts section. I mean, that, that was my degree, like RTA, like radio, television, arts. And like, you know, to an extent, it's like whatever you make out of it. So it's like, if, as long as you're making the right connections and you are, yeah, I think actually today is a freaking awesome time to try to get into sport media. Like, like social media wasn't 
as dominant as it is now, especially with TikTok, right? Like um, everything's just kind of at this boom and like even freaking Facebook now turning into like the metaverse and stuff like that. It's yeah. only going to be growing and growing. And with this, this is like a, a cause for, you know, not just pulling up more seats at the table. No, you're creating new tables. So it's pretty awesome time if you're a student or somebody who's looking to get into the sport media industry to, to really dive in because I think you get back what you put in directly. And so I think it's, it's, just, it's just a matter of not being shy. And But yeah, I think it's awesome if you do have the traditional industry experience, that's also like, you know, something you can't take for granted. Um, and it's great because like, I think you truly learn through fire. big proponent of everything happens for a reason savannah and, and maybe there is this predetermined path that our lives are set on who knows but with you you had those serious knee injuries at ryerson it obviously helps push you deeper into sports media do you ever have moments where you look back at your playing days and wonder what if because i feel like athletes in general can be very reflective in that sense and question moments and decisions over and over again and i wonder if you've ever had periods like that as well to be quite honest with you, not really, because I have a twin sister. She's been my what if, and I see how her life has played out. And she's played at huge D1 schools. And actually funny enough, like before I went to Ryerson, I had D1 offers. I just chose Ryerson for the program and for like the coach. I really like Carly. Um, and, and like, but yeah, so, so when my sister went through the D1 way and now she plays professional basketball overseas, like, you know, I kind of like, and I also met her teammates that ended up going to the WNBA and they were awesome people. And so I feel like I kind of got a, a foot still like in the door, like living vicarious, vicariously through her and mm -hmm. what she goes through. And I, it's almost like, I, I can't say the grass is greener on the other side because I know what the other side looks like. And it, it has its ups and downs just as much as media has its ups and downs. And so I'm pretty happy with the path that I ended up on. And I totally agree with you, Chris. Everything <laughs> happens for a reason, man. <laughs> <laughs> Damn right. And look at the position you are. You're you're basically, you know, covering the Toronto Raptors media stream. We're seeing more and more of you again. And again, I, I couldn't be happier for all this, of the success that you're having. But, you know, I, I would love to talk more and more about your career. Hopefully leave some of that for a potential return in the future for you on the Walder Sportscast. But hey. I do want to talk a little Toronto Raptors basketball as well. And, uh, you know, they're playing the Sacramento Kings tonight, uh, the Golden State Warriors this weekend. So by the time this podcast is released, they could be a 500 basketball team again. But but for now, Savannah, there's a ton of questions. And one of the major ones being Pascal Siakam. You know, he's looked more off than on since his return from injury. And this question may look absolutely stupid depending on how he fares this weekend. He may just blow up and, and destroy Sacramento and Golden State. But Savannah, are you at all worried about Pascal? And, and if not, at, at what point do you think you would become worried if this skid of his continues? You know, this is a bit of a tricky one because he is coming back from injury and I have a lot of empathy for athletes who do that. Um, it's not easy to, to find your stride back again. But I guess right now, like, I mean, he's averaging... 14.4 points a game. He's only played like what five games now. Right. Um, 
And so I'm not I'm not sweating too much. You know, he's our guy that averages usually around the 20 point mark. He's five points about five points shy of that right now. And like, there's also like other tangibles that he's providing to the team. Like even his presence, of course, like his size and athleticism, like, you know, those are intangibles that people often forget to measure when it comes to impacting a game. Yeah, he's not looking like himself right now, but I think give it, I, if he was like this 15 games in, that's when my ears would perk up a bit. I'm like, mm, okay, right. okay, we got to start looking maybe at other options here. Um, in terms of like, you know, where are you going to go have your go-to scorers be or where are you going to prioritize people? But as it is right now, I'm not ready to jump the gun and write him off. Um, so I think he's going to get his stride back. I'm not too worried yet. Do you think Twitter is a little too hard on Pascal? Yes. Like you said, he is coming back from an injury. It's going to take some time for him to look like an all-star again. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. Twitter's the worst. <laughs> Twitter's the worst. You I heard love it here Twitter. first, Raptors Twitter. <laughs> right? You heard it right now. I get unfollowed. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Weed them out. Um, nah, it, it's funny because like Twitter's actually one of my favorite platforms. Um, and yeah, nah, it's 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 interesting. They are hard on Pascal. Like you think of those, the rude comments they said to him last season, like people forget that these athletes are humans, yo. Like, don't think this falls on deaf ears. Like even if they don't hear it directly, or even if they don't log on Twitter directly, they still hear it from somebody in their circles. Right. So Mm -hmm. like, it's, it's, it's just, mm, yeah, no, Twitter is really harsh on Pascal and yeah, give this guy a break. Like shoulder surgery is no joke. Like, could you imagine like just a regular person, like you, you yourself having shoulder surgery, and then like not even six months later, like being asked to perform, like do a heavy, heavy workout or perform at a high level. I understand that these guys do it for a living, but like the human body recovers when the human body wants to. Well, I definitely am a regular person, first off, and if I did injure my shoulder, I would <laughs> not be sure? using it anytime soon. Oh, there's nothing special about me, unless I do have a secret identity. Maybe I am a superhero by night. Who knows? Maybe that'll be a future podcast that I reveal my identity. But, Ooh, uh, we got wh- Batman! <laughs> I, I wish. Shout out to that new Robert Pattinson Batman movie, because that yeah. looks really cool. I want to check Can't that out. Can't wait for that. I haven't been to a movie in a while, but there is a pandemic going on, so uh, maybe one Slightly. day soon. Gotta see Spider-Man, all these superhero movies. Yes. But one one thing that isn't ordinary, uh, Savannah, it's the segment that I usually say for my wrestling shows, but I'm going to do it in a Raptors sense for you today, Savannah. So it's, okay. it's v- very simple in execution. It's likely unlikely. I throw some scenarios at you. You tell me if it's likely or unlikely based on what you've seen early in the season for the Toronto Raptors, and you give me a brief explanation why. Sound good? Yeah, this is great. Yeah, I'm so ready for this. Likely or unlikely, and you had this as a hot take at the start of the season, Scotty Barnes, NBA Rookie of the Year. Uh, wow, you did your research. Likely still. I mean, I, I hype up Scotty Barnes on a regular basis. I should probably yeah, you have a, go with that too, right? A whole Scotty Barnes like account basically now copying you. <laughs> hey, sponsor me on Twitter, uh, Popeye's Chicken. I know you're in a working relationship with Scotty. Let's make these this happen. I right? have a lot of Scotty Barnes tweets. I, I need that chicken. Uh, I'm also hungry. I haven't had dinner yet while we're recording this podcast, so I just thought of chicken there for a second and <laughs> begging for that sponsorship. But uh, Savannah, likely or unlikely, Goran Dragic finishes the season as a Toronto Raptor. Oh, I'm going to say unlikely. Are we underusing him at this point? I feel like he can bring some value uh, to a second unit that desperately needs it. Ooh, I'm, I'll be so honest with you right now. I'm not mad that he's not playing as much right now. I think... One, the growth and development of this team, 
you know, I do really appreciate Delano and what he's bringing on the, oh, and when he touches the floor, usually on the second string, um, sometimes the third, but he's moving his way up. And like, yeah, no, I, I, I'm not mad that he, that he's not seeing as much time. He is a vet, you know, he has great, he was great with Miami, but for some reason I feel like it hasn't clicked as well with Toronto in the time that he was playing a lot. And he could still still bring that veteran leadership when he's even on the bench and at practice. So, you know, if he's not going to be a part of the Raptors' long-term future, then I'd rather see development for a younger younger squad. I'd be a vet on this roster based on my age alone. I've never, like, bounced a, a professional basketball in my life, but just sitting on that <laughs> bench being a 33-year-old, I would just stand out from the pack. Hey, it's also, like, not that bad. You know, you're still making the bag while, like, sitting on the bench, so it's not that bad. It's not the worst thing in the world. Uh, I, I mean, I'm not making that kind of money now, but if the Raptors <laughs> Masai wants to hit me up, sign me to a 10-day, I'm all for it. Uh, you did actually. <laughs> you did actually first. <laughs> I will get back to basketball, Masai. Just sign everybody on Raptors Twitter. Just give us all contracts. We could be of, of some value. The team is struggling. Put um, me in the game, coach. No, no one wants to see me anyway. You, on the other hand, you've, you've played some ball. Questionable. <laughs> you did mention uh, Delano Banton, though. Uh, so likely or unlikely, Delano Banton is already the greatest second-round draft pick ever selected by the Toronto Raptors outright in franchise history. So that doesn't include a guy like Norman Powell, for example, uh, mm-hmm. who was actually picked by another team and we made that trade. But, you know, the gotcha. second round f- picks in, in in Raptors history, not a lot to choose from. We're talking about like a P.J. Tucker and a Quincy Acey as maybe the top picks. Do you think Delano Banton already surpasses those guys? Yeah, big time. Yeah, that's not even a question. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Simple and straight to the point. Rex Dale already yeah. representing this early into his career. Yeah, no, he's so talented. Like in watching him play up close with the 905, like he he does this the tools he has at his age is ridiculous and how fast he moves for a 69 point guard? Are you kidding me? Like this guy has he's the sky's the limit for him. I think uh when he gets his momentum when he gets his rhythm, he gets comfortable and confident at this NBA level even more so than he already is. Woo, like watch out, he could be a great player. And lastly, likely or unlikely, Raptors fans are once again going to get an all-female-led broadcast this season for the Raptors. I'd say like very likely, extremely likely. Any hints on that front? Is there something we should know, Savannah? I can't reveal nothing. Oh, come on. Throw it, <laughs> give us a sources. tease. That's you have your sources. I'm trying to get I'm trying to become a woge here, just like a Toronto <laughs> local woge. I want to break a, a big story. Maybe but you know what? It, it should happen. I mean, there's no reason for it not to. The last one last season was so successful. You know, dire circumstances, of course. We all thought it was Kyle Lowry's last game. Being, you know, re- going back to that game last season, being the all-female led uh broadcast, which was such a special moment for Raptors fans a long overdue moment what do you remember most from that night so i mean i think i feel like uh let me clear up the confusion in case anybody's confused i myself was not a part of the women's broadcast last year however right. i i did do the um the promo like i was the producer for that promo that went out and i was like shocked when like tnt picked it up and they retweeted it and they broadcast it i was like oh my gosh it's yeah. my work it's <laughs> like ah this is crazy ah okay cool i didn't even know they did until like after the fact and the WNBA took it too, which was like even more like thrilling for me. But yeah, it was, but from what I remember from that night was just like, it's incredibly special because, you know, the women that were on that broadcast, like I see them as my colleagues. I actually played against Kia Nurse growing up, like very often, oh, very, wow. very often. 
Um, oh yeah, she was like my rival essentially with me and my team, like like Shay Colley, who's also on the national team now and and whatnot. So we, we the the women's basketball community is so small, and like I was so happy to see just Kate Burness just like owning that hosting role, like Amy Otterbert just like really like you know, owning that co-hosting slash analyst type of position. I love Amy. Like Amy's been my co-host on Swish, of course. And and like, I just love to see that fact that she's she's also growing in her career at Sportsnet and being a sideline reporter there. And, you know, obviously Kayla Gray. And then you have like um, Megan McPeak. And, you know, once again, like me and Megan go way back. So just seeing everybody like shine on the broadcast, it was just like, wow, these are my friends, yo. Like these are people that, yeah, I admire. I look up to as professionals, but like I, I root for them as just, my friends, like those are, they're, they're killing it. So, um, it, and just to see that my, my people, my friends are the ones that are inspiring the next generation of women and female broadcasters. And to, to once again, be that representation that a lot of women don't often see. I'm like, wow, like this is truly incredible. And like, like they literally just, like, they owned it. Like it wasn't even like tokenism or nothing. It was like, no, like they, dominated it like they it was a quality broadcast like keel was hilarious copying jack a few times and then <laughs> like um you know megan mcpeak was just doing her like she she calls the plays so well um and so it was really great to hear their insight and one thing i love about just women's basketball in a whole like obviously a lot of those women have played basketball and at some point in their career but um what i love about women's basketball is the fact that like they like the women's side of the game really believe in like the fundamentals and calling plays and like a lot more um i'd say rhythmic basketball in a sense like the right. assists like every pass matters every shot matters like we like women don't rely as much on their athleticism as a lot of like the nba stuff that we see it's a lot more flashy dunks this that trick things um or just isos but women it's a lot more of a, a rounded team game not saying that they that women can't do isos not at all like they could freaking own it they could drop i've seen them drop people all the time but like <laughs> um you know and also women have dunked too that's not to say that they can't but like you know i just see that when when i'm it translates to broadcast in a sense i see them talking about it the way that almost women play it it's weird it's like they're talking about it in a more um i guess like uh, more like calling specific things out and right. that's not to say that the men don't not not at all but like i just see it a bit more predominantly a bit more clearly on that broadcast in particular well don't sell yourself short savannah you were just as much a part of that broadcast you may have been behind the scenes doing some producing but i am going to give you a credit role for that all-female broadcast and, and like you said you are too are inspiring the next generation of women who are coming up in this industry. You definitely need to give yourself credit for that. And if not, I will certainly give you credit for oh. that as well. But Savannah, th this podcast is unfortunately drawing to a close. I, I appreciate your honesty and your candidness and openness on this podcast. I very much appreciate it. But before I let you go, my friend, as a recurring segment here on the Walder Sportscast, I do have some fun final questions to send you on your way. Amazing. And thank you for the credit. I appreciate that. Shout out to William Liu and Alex Wong, co-hosts of the Raptors show with William Liu on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Really enjoyed your appearance on this week's show. Again, I listened to it for, for research into you, Savannah. <laughs> but please, for the love of God, defend this take. Milk before cereal? <laughs> Yo, I'm going to go down in history for that one. Yes, okay, they agreed with me on that. Like, 
And also, I so that came about with the whole like Raptors 905. I was doing individual interviews with the guys and like I was asking them like milk before cereal, cereal before milk. And like they all, like one of the guys called me a psychopath for that. And so <laughs> I will still defend it because you know, you need to measure the milk. You need to know how much milk is in the bowl before you put the cereal in. Otherwise you might over pour the milk when the cereal is already in. No, that's that's the worst take ever. <laughs> first of all, you put the cereal, uh, or, or you, you put the milk in first. Uh, yeah, now I'm confusing myself. See? Okay, the right way See, to do I this. I got him. I no, got him. <laughs> no, you're not winning this one, my friend. The way you do it is you put the cereal in first, and that way when you pour the milk in, it elevates the cereal because you don't want the cereal overflowing. You don't want it falling off. You don't want to be losing a, a Cheerio or a Rice Krispie onto your table. You got to do it the opposite way. Have you tried it before? I mean, because this milk before cereal, it, it's not sitting well with me. I mean, I think I've tried it before, but ah, I, I swear you got to measure the milk. You got to because I don't want too much milk at the bottom of my bowl. But you know what? Because I'm not much of a milk person. So right. like, if I have milk in my bowl, I want to make sure it's like just what I need for the cereal to be like the right proportions. Like, and I mean, the cereal doesn't bounce off of the like the milk like as if it's like hard like gravel. <laughs> it's not like a basketball. <laughs> and if it is like a basketball, it's like one of those like really cool cereal commercials where they all like like drive together in the bowl. Like you know, like they they come flinging back up like a Cheerios, like Cheerios. Try it like crunch or whatever i don't know like i'm a i'm a fan savannah but i can't defend this i there's there's no defending this og and anobi fred van vliet they couldn't defend this <laughs> not even og could defend this not even og with a with a bad hip and all he, he's not standing <laughs> up to defend this take but there was another take of yours i saw on twitter actually uh which oh. i also cannot defend pumpkin pie over apple pie oh yeah oh yeah yo oh my goodness chris what do you mean no? No. no what do you I mean can't. no? I'm team apple pie all the way. I'm not saying pumpkin pie is the worst pie out there, but I'm not saying it's the best either. I'm not saying it's middle of the pack as well. I, pumpkin pie, it's very seasonal. Apple pie, you could be eating that in July. Yeah, but like, I don't know. Pumpkin pie just hits different. Like it has the spice, it has the cinnamon, it has the whipped cream. I know you put whipped cream on apple pie, but like it just feels better on pumpkin pie. And like, I mean, apple pie is good. And I also might've been slightly biased because at the time my mom brought, uh, bought this like sugar-free apple pie right. and I had it. I was like, this is disgusting. And so <laughs> I was definitely even more team pumpkin pie enough to tweet about it even. So that's where that came from. But at the same time, I still would have said pumpkin pie because it's just creamy. It's smooth. It's like, yeah, it hits the soul. I need, I need to give William and uh, and Alex like a credit on this podcast because I'm going to bring this up as well because I've never heard of this. <laughs> what is Big Turk? You don't know Big Turk? Never heard of it. Oh my goodness. Okay, I need to get your address and send you one. Like, it is a chocolate bar and it is, okay, you know Turkish Delight? Uh, it is I think basically, so, yeah. Okay, yeah, it's basically chocolate-covered Turkish Delight. Turkish Delight is like this jelly. Like, it, it has, it, there's different flavors of it, of course, but like, this Turkish Delight in particular has like this like raspberry type of generic berry taste to it. And so like when you bite into it, like you get the chocolate, but you also get like, it's like a chocolate covered jujube, but better. Like it's that smoother. That doesn't sound too bad. Oh, it's so good. I got Alex on it. Now Alex is like addicted to them. Uh, well, I'm not going to turn down free chocolate if, if that's what you're <laughs> offering here. If I'm going to get a care package of Big Turk or if Big yeah. Turk is somehow listening to this podcast. Yes, right. I will gladly take your product. A sponsorship too. <laughs> exactly. Popeyes and Big Turk 
sponsoring the Walden Sportscast. Let's speak that into existence. But uh, that sounds disgusting. <laughs> together, <laughs> it's the worst. It's the worst combination. I, I should not have said that. Uh, but Savannah, uh, it's, this is another recurring uh, question I have here on the Walden Sportscast because I am always looking for new things to watch on Netflix or any of the million streaming services out there. I'm curious, what's the last great program that you've watched? Ooh, I'm not done it yet. So if you've already seen this, don't ruin it. But um, you like I'm not watching the you. <laughs> you should totally watch it. It's so good. Oh my goodness! It like the highs and the creepiness and the lows and like you're rooting for the bad guy. Like it's so crazy. It's I don't know Joe. Like I love Joe. He's so weird. Like it also murders people. But like it's so weird that like you root for him at the same time. You feel bad for rooting for him at the same time. You understand. It's just crazy. I don't know. The show's amazing. I actually dressed up as one of the characters for Halloween this year, like a very last-minute makeshift character outfit. So, highly recommend. Did you see that Laura Ingram, um, that Fox News video that was going viral where they were doing like a, an Abbott and Costello where the, the guest on Fox News was saying that was saying the yes. show you and she thought she had the measles or something? Yes. Or it was like the weirdest <laughs> thing. I said, yeah, they're like, you, you have the, you, like, no, like, what, what about me? What, wait, I have a show? I have a show on Netflix, the Laura Bulabois show? I'm like, no, the show, you, like, it's so funny. I that hope was that was best. planned, because that was the dumbest thing I've ever seen, but, you it know, was again, so it's that funny. network. <laughs> it was funny it's, in a way, I'll give it that. Right, it's on brand with the network. <laughs> Well, Savannah, something I learned about you in researching you, of course, uh, is that you have a twin sister. You know, lo and behold, yes. you, you have a twin sister. Now, I have a twin niece and nephew, and perhaps I'll learn oh. more when they get older, but the myths you hear about twins, like they can read each other's thoughts or they feel each other's pain. Is any of that true? Okay. Yes. Um, kind of. <laughs> yes. 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 I, I think it's almost inevitable when you literally grow up with somebody for at least in my case, it was 18 years before my sister moved to Alabama. Mm -hmm. um, you literally just, you breathe the same water or you breathe the same water. You drink the same water, you <laughs> breathe the same air. <laughs> you drink, you breathe the same air and like you literally just like you get on each other's nerves. You you only punch each other once in a while. Like, nah, like it, it's, it's just when we play basketball against each other, we're always on the same team. Like, you know, even on the court when we played together, like we're I already, I already knew where she was going to be and where to get the pass to her. It's like, there's like so many like little instances of just growing up with a twin that like is so intangible. And I think that you would get that no matter who you spent 18 years of your life right beside like, your instant best friend. So I'm very fortunate to have a twin sister. And it, I've had some crazy, crazy specific experiences with her that like, like she lives, she was living in like Germany last year. And mm -hmm. I was obviously here in Canada. And like, this is just one of the many examples, but I went to um, like, uh, what's it called? Uh, Jimmy's Coffee and they had a sugar cookie and I'm not like much of like a cookie cookie person. So I just bought the, this particular day. I was like, that sugar cookie looks bomb. I'm about to buy it. <laughs> and I literally bought it. And it had like specific like green, red, like, like white sprinkles on top, a little Christmas theme. And I right. put it on a plate and I put it in front of me on the couch and I literally passed out on my couch before I even got to eat it. This, she sends me a sugar cookie recipe and the cookie on the top, like the recipe for the cookie had like a photo of like the cookie and stuff. It was the exact same to a T what was in front of my, on, like on the plate in front of me. What? I was like, are you kidding me? Like <laughs> I, I, I literally sent her a photo of what was in front of me. She's like, no freaking way. And I was like, that's so weird. And then like, but that has happened. Like I can't even t tell you countless times that has happened. Or even now that she's in Britain, like I always seem to call her when she's free. 
Like, and she's very busy. Like, she plays on the professional team there. She also plays slightly on the university team, and she's getting her masters. And she has full classes. And she, I always seem to like call her when she's literally waking up from a nap, or she's just about to like head to class, and she has a few minutes to talk to me. She's like, "How do you know when to call me?" And I'm like, "I don't even know, yo." <laughs> I'm, I now, just do. <laughs> I'm just getting hungry now. We're, we're bringing up Popeye's chicken, big know, turk, right? sugar Jimmy's, cookies, Jimmy's, Jimmy's coffee. coffee. <laughs> Jeez, this is the worst time to record a all podcast sponsors. when you haven't eaten. Yeah, all sponsors. Yeah, right? I'm just going to be bombarded with sponsorship requests yeah. at the end of this podcast. And also a PSA to all the listeners out there. Please do not breathe water because you will drown. <laughs> Yeah, not. No, I don't recommend. Don't recommend. But you know, <laughs> you could try. <laughs> and lastly, Savannah, uh, you're, you're young. You have a long and prosperous media career ahead of you, of course. But if that were all to come to an end tomorrow, no more reporting, social media, on-air rules, things of that nature. What would you want your supporters and fans to most remember you for? Ooh, that's a good question. I haven't gotten that one. Um, hmm. I would want them to remember me for not being afraid to use my voice in uncomfortable situations at times and the, a woman that really you know wasn't afraid to hold space in this industry that's dominated by people who do not look like her and a, a woman that's also very extremely grateful for the opportunities that this industry has given her well thankfully savannah we always have to end with a deep question here yeah. on the walder sportscast but savannah there's still so much coming your way in the future and i think i speak on behalf of all of raptors twitter when i say that we cannot wait to see what's in store for you next my friend thank you so much once again for joining me today on the walder sportscast but before we sign off remind the listeners where they can find you on the web yeah on the inters of net um you can find me my handles are at sav hamilton s-a-v hamilton like the city of hamilton um 11 my basketball number uh at sap hamilton 11 on instagram and twitter and you could also watch my show raptors today alongside with paul jones and sherman hamilton on youtube uh, and i said this in the episode of raptors today by the way guys i'm not related to sherman hamilton fyi <laughs> <laughs> does that need to be stated everyone who has the same last name you you must all be related Right? It's you know what it is though? It's the it's the last name and some people say that we look very similar or whatever. I'm like, whatever, sure, maybe. But yeah, no, we were not directly related, but we're both Jamaican, so there's that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know who does look like you? Your twin sister. Kinda. Yeah. Actually my little sister looks more like my twin than my twin. But <laughs> yeah, my twin sister does look like me too. <laughs> it's weird how that works anyway. But... It's so weird. <laughs> Savannah, thank you so much again for doing this. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So much fun. And that was my interview with Savannah Hamilton, who you could find and follow on Twitter at SavHamilton11, which was her number at Ryerson. If you haven't bought stock in her career yet, I suggest doing so now because she's clearly working her ass off. We're seeing more and more of her in our Raptors coverage, which is very welcome. And like we discussed, being a woman, a woman of color in particular, it's important for the next generation of broadcasters to see people like Savannah in prominent roles. And we absolutely need more of it. And I'm happy for her, happy for her success. And I thank her once again for her time, especially since free time is hard to come by these days. 
This has been episode 52 of the Walder Sportscast. If you want to help support me and the podcast, leave a rating and review when you're done here. It's always appreciated. Show some love if you can. Find the show on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Podbean, Amazon, you name it. And use promo code TVPN at DraftKings.com as well. For now, though, that's another one in the books. So as always, I'll see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Walder Sportscast. Hit that subscribe button on iTunes and follow Chris on both Twitter and Instagram at Walder Sports. 